definitely when you walk in the room, you have to leave yourself at the door. When someone says no, that should be the beginning of the negotiation. Okay, now you know you're headed towards victory. The world might do it a different way. I, I know there's a lot of deception and corruption, but in our negotiations, we always tell the truth. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hive Podcast. You're listening to your number one resource for missional entrepreneurship. It's Monday morning again, 6 a.m. I know it's early, but it's time for another episode. And today, I'd like to introduce to you Geeta Chopra. She has her own TV show. She's a serial entrepreneur, real estate investor, landlord, and a devoted Christian. Now, as a business owner, we have to negotiate with others at some point, right? Whether that's with a client or a partner, contractor, employee, you name it. Gita has developed powerful negotiation skills in the business realm over many years, ever since she started at the age of 22. Now, the question that I was thinking about at the beginning was, how can we actually become better at negotiating as Christians, as missional entrepreneurs? Here's what she said. There's a few strategies that we use, and uh, I'm going to make this a little concise, but it's basically mirroring, labeling to become their friend. So, you know, if you talk about mirroring, what we do is we basically mirror the last few words that someone has said in a conversation. And this is not just for negotiation. This is proven by psychologists to work to actually increase the value and enhance all relationships, whether it's employee, employer, spouse, children, parent. So when you mirror the last three words someone says, you know, you're not being superficial. You're basically repeating back to them that you heard them. People ultimately want to be heard. And we found that to be a very important strategy in negotiation because you really want to walk in and be their friend. You know, one of the things I've written down in my presentation, there's a whole uh, segment on there that is called Be Their Friend. So how do you be their friend? Well, that's one way because you really want to show them that you're not an enemy. You're not walking in there with an ego and fierce competition. So to be their friend, you can start uh, mirroring. And then I mentioned labeling. So labeling also labels the elephant in the room. So if you're negotiating an object or an item that might be expensive, the first thing you want to do, or not first, but within the first segment of the negotiation, you'd like to label that elephant. Well, this is a super expensive product, right? It's $10,000. Say the words, right? So get it out of the way. Otherwise, it's going to be on the back of everyone's mind. So that's just another strategy that we use. There's a few of them, but those are in the beginning parts. So you really want to get um, to be their friend and show them that you guys are both on the same side of the table early on. Yes. So let's assume we have started the negotiation now and we have a certain goal that we want to achieve, right? Um, but there are moments in life where you just realize that the other person is so far away from what you actually would like to have or achieve, right? And there is a big gap. And And I'm not sure, maybe you have some tips. Can you share... What do we do in these cases? Like, how can we react and what can we do to maybe um, not widen the gap, you know, but make it a little, uh, you know, not make it as wide as, as it is, you know? That's a very great question. And, and part of it is what I said, but I'm going to add a couple of things on here. But definitely when you walk in the room, you have to leave yourself at the door. And that's another slide I have in my presentation with a picture of an actual door. So when you walk in, you don't take your ego with you. And you're presumably going to win because we believe in winning. 
So when you do win, again, you don't, you don't celebrate that. You celebrate that when you go home with family and friends, because you're leaving yourself at the door, your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. This all really becomes about the other side. You have to learn the other side. What are their dreams, right? And you have to dream the same dream that they have. So throughout that whole process, you know, there's different strategies you can use, but one powerful thing is allow them to say no. So people need to say no, right? So if you get a telemarketing call and someone says, Hey, do you, you want to, you know, do you want to take this survey or do you want to buy this product? Well, no. Right. So we found that there's power in saying no. And once the person says no, then they feel satisfied. And then you can start talking to them once you get that out of the way. So you have to get to a series of no's before you hit your yes. And there's a teaching on that as well. And one of the other tools we use is our voice. Okay. So there's three types of voices. There's um, the late night DJ voice, which is um, the default. And then there's the the quiet voice. And then there's finally uh, the loud um, and authoritative voice, which we seldom use. So we found that um, the positive, sorry, the positive, playful voice, the late night DJ voice, and the authoritative voice. So we found that um, the late night DJ voice is very good in terms of get, getting close to them, right? Because it's soft, it's welcoming. If you think of Delilah after dark, for those of you who live in the United States, we grew up listening to her in the car. What a beautiful voice. I don't even know what she looks like, but I really like her, her nature, her personality. So that voice is very becoming. Um, so we, we use a tone and voice. And I always ask people this, what is the most valuable asset you have in negotiation? And I'm not talking about tangible things such as wealth or, or even experience, but what is the most tangible asset we all have, no matter who we are? And it's our voice. It's our voice because the tone in which we use will set the tone and will ultimately render the outcome. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's amazing to hear. I see a lot of practical things that we can that we can implement right away now. Um, something that maybe has been on my heart personally, but I, I I assume that it's also been on someone you know on that that it has occupied uh, the the minds of the people out there as well. Um, that's that burning question and that balance that I'm kind of trying to find here as I negotiate uh, and 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 also you know walk with Jesus and and that, that that's the following balance. How can I at the same time be meek and loving and 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 be like Jesus, you know, eventually, right? And and but then also not being a doormat, not being used by everyone in any situation all the time. Um, how do I how do I do that? Yeah, wow, Vincent, this is a really great question. And I think this even transcends the negotiation uh, sphere, uh, the atmosphere here. Because this is one of the hardest callings for any Christian and some, you know, something I still struggle with and um, you know, even learning just to forgive people and walk in humbleness and say, well, you know, I don't want them to walk all over me again. But you know, Jesus uh, walked in humility. And if we think about Jesus for a moment, you know, he only lived till he was 33 years old. And I think his ministry was only about three years. But yet he did more and accomplished more than any one of us will ever accomplish in ministry in our entire lives. And some of us live, you know, upwards of a hundred years, but how did he do it? Right. How was he so productive? How was he so um, efficient? Part of that was humility. So he kind of was like water. He went to the lowest places, right. And um, he was humble and he was soft and gentle and people wanted to be around him. If you think about water or a waterfall, right. And that's really how we have to be. And we also have to be that way in negotiation. 
Because again, what I said in the first question is we don't walk in with a big ego and a briefcase and our resume. We have to leave our resume at the door. It doesn't matter how many times you've won. And presumably, if you're doing these teachings, you are winning and you are getting your outcome. But you don't bring that with you, just like Jesus. Jesus won wherever he went, right? Whatever demon he cast out from the sick people, there was never once a demon that said, well, I'm not going to listen to you. You know, he never came, came back home defeated and said, oh, I couldn't heal that man's eyes. Or you know what? My, I failed today. I couldn't get the fish from the ocean, right? He was a winner. Jesus was a winner. And he had the ultimate victory, which is what we have through him today. We have that authority. But he was humble. So we have to do what he did. And, and you know, one of the things I, I ask the people at the beginning of this presentation is what is the most valuable attribute that a negotiator should have? And I actually have people name their favorite negotiator, whether it could be a president, a leader, whoever it is. And then I say, think about that person for a moment. Close your eyes. What's their best attribute? What is the most important attribute, therefore, that one should have? And no one guesses it. The answer is humility. It's humility. And if we think about how we surrender to God, surrender is not weakness, right? It's strength. So when we walk in and let them do the talking, let them go first. You know, we were trained that way even in real estate, which is a secular environment. We always let the other person talk first, right? So it's, that's a form of humility. Listening is a form of humility. Mirroring is a form of humility. Labeling is a form of humility. So we also have compassion and empathy when these people are talking. Well, we can't afford the product. So you have to actually have compassion for them. You can't have hard rebuttals. That's all humility. And that's what Jesus did. So Jesus never agreed with the Pharisees. He stood up where he had to. However, he did, you know, he, he was humble at the same time. He didn't throw a stone in their face. He won. He had the ultimate victory, but it wasn't through pride. I think that's a that's a major one because we, we often forget that, um, you know, because of our sinful nature and the, the aspirations and goals we might have, you know, Satan can tempt us to like really be proud and, and come into a negotiation, come into a conversation with that attitude, like, you know, but I am right, you know, and, and the more knowledge we have and the more truth we might have, the more information we might bring to the table, the, the easier it is to, to, to fall into that trap, right? Right, right. I want to talk about something. Um, I'll, I'll do a couple of things. I want to show you an example of um, a yes, no, uh, sorry, a no yes pattern okay and then the effectiveness of that but before that i want to just introduce this new topic of silence okay pausing so i'm actually also a public speaking teacher and one of the things that and i guarantee you're going to agree with this that you feel very awkward with is the pausing okay it's the silence after the speaking because we don't like that we, we like we have to fill in the silence with words we live in a very resistant society and world, right? And the power of now, I don't know if anyone ever read that book, Eckhart Tolle, it's, it's a bestseller. The power of now talks about this. Oh, and it, it changed my life. Um, it, it really helped me to understand this principle. And I draw some of it, uh, this from, from that book. But the pausing after you speak is so critical. You have to allow people to feel what they're feeling. And, and, and the typical negotiation, if you think about Wall Street, New York City, you know, especially in the United States where I'm from, it's fast, fast, and fast. You barely know what just happened. You walk in, walk out. What just happened? Did we just lose? Did we just win? You, you don't even know. In the negotiation sphere, after saying something, you have to pause. So I'm going to actually give you an example. I'm going to do that right now so you guys can see how it feels, okay? Okay. 
So for example, if you're selling a product and the gentleman says, well, you know, I'd love to, but you have no idea what we just went through. Okay. My mom has been sick, been hospitalized. And as a result, we are currently in debt. Okay. So after he says that, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to mirror him and then I'm going to follow it by silence. All right. So let's try that. So why don't you go ahead and say that for me, Vincent? Why don't you say that my, you know, my mom's been in the hospital and we're currently in debt and then I'm going to do what I do. Okay, sure. Yeah. So my mom has been in, in the hospital and my, my dad has been, or we have been totally in debt. Totally in debt? Yeah. So, and you see, you follow that by silence and usually the silence would be longer. I, I just don't want to take up all your time here, but it could be <laughs> at least 60 seconds. Now, 60 seconds is not long, but you see how awkward it could feel. Now it might feel awkward to me, but it won't feel awkward to the other person because that's showing them that I'm actually listening, hmm. right? It's such a fast society. We don't do that today. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? And that's it. We don't actually sit down to hear to listen to the answer, right? Hearing is not listening. So when I'm in silence, I'm actually listening to currently in debt. So I did two things. I mirrored your last three words with empathy, okay? Shows I'm listening. And then I sat in silence and I allow you to fill in the space. And usually what you'll find is they won't fill in the space and you'll just sit together or maybe they'll say something or, you know, and they might even start crying, right? Because that, that if you think about that, that's what happens in a prayer group, right? Like when you sit in silence and you pray together, that's a very deep form of um, connection. So we need to connect with the other side. Okay. And what I just did here should be done on, on the first half of it. So you are now considering me as a friend after this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> powerful. Yeah. So continue on with talking less throughout the whole meeting and mirroring them more than once. So not just once. You know, you want to mirror them and you want to label their pain and you want to make the problem a common problem. So now it's almost like your debt has become my problem. Okay. And I didn't have to say anything except for mirror you. Okay. Or and sit in silence. So I want to talk about the yes, uh, no pattern. So let's take a look. I'm actually going to go through this for a moment here. So when someone says no, most people quit. Okay. So most people say, well, he said, no, the negotiation is over or they lose confidence in their inner being immediately. Right. That's, that's actually the opposite. When someone says no, that should be the beginning of the negotiation. Okay. Now, you know, you're headed towards victory. And I just wrote down a few things. It's because people have a deep universal need to feel like they are in control. Give them permission to say no, embrace their need to say no, let them be the boss. No makes people feel safe and let them say it early on so you can get to a yes. All right. A golden no is better than a counterfeit. Yes. All right. And what it really means is I need more time to think about it. I'm not ready to agree. You're making me uncomfortable. I need to talk with someone else. I need more information. So let's get to a, a yes, no pattern. I'm going to ask you some questions. Do you want to save more money on your mortgage? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you a person who makes good financial decisions? <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> okay. Do you want your kids to go to good schools? Yes. Do you think they are worth spending money on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can I have your credit card number? Well, not yet, I guess. 
Right. So that's a yes, no pattern. The first four questions were yes. And then you come in with a no. Okay. So you don't want to do it that way. You want to get a yes, yes pattern. So let's try this. So instead of a no, yes, how about this? Do you think taxes are way too high? Oh yeah. Do you think the current administration is responsible for this? <laughs> Without getting into trouble by saying that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit tricky, but have you had enough? Oh, I surely had enough. <laughs> All right. Well, can I have your support in a tax-free donation to our campaign to get the right people in office this November? Yeah, it sounds good. You can see the difference, right? So if you go from a, a, a no to a yes, it's harder, but a yes, yes is more powerful. Hmm. And you can change those questions up. I just close those, yeah. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Now we're going to take a short break and uh, be right back um, and then talk more about this topic. And um, yeah, we have a, a few more exciting things that we want to share. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Missional entrepreneurship is life-changing, and it's worth sharing. That's why we want to hear your story. Tell us how God has worked in your life, how you've reached customers and shared the gospel with them. Send us your story and get featured here on the podcast. Just email us at hello at hiveinternational.org. Hi, everyone. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. And we are back from this break here and want to talk a little bit about compromises. Now, when we talk about negotiation, obviously, um, we have to deal with, yeah, also compromises, I guess, right? Is that so? Um, how should we approach this? All right. Well, let me open with a small example. So husband and wife are going to a party and the wife wants to wear um, the gray shoes and the husband wants her to wear the green shoes. So they decide to compromise and she wears one of each. So who wins and who loses? Well, I think we have two losers, right? Nobody really won. Okay. So that's what happens when you compromise. Okay. It's like getting the half of their leftover pie. But why do people compromise? And we find that because they believe it's safe to get at least half of the pie. It's driven by fear. It's considered normal and they do it to avoid pain. So don't do it. <laughs> And, you know, you might say, well, how, what's, what's the alternative? Well, go for the good deals, have confidence in yourself, look for creative solutions, embrace the hard work and use the tools, um, use the tools that we're going to teach you or some of the ones I've taught you in this uh, lecture and then compromising, remember, creates two losers. So you want to create two winners instead. So I'm not saying that you should walk out and win. Again, we said humility was key. So you want to create two winners. When you leave, you want to make sure they're happy with their side of the solution, just as happy as you are. Okay. And there's, there's many things you can do. Um, you know, you can use deadlines, you can embellish the perception of laws. You can, you can use many different things, um, to create that outcome, but it definitely can be done. Now you've, you've, you've shared this example with husband and wife. Would you say this is something that is very important for business negotiations as we are do, having, you know, to deal with that, um, as missional entrepreneurs, or do you think it's also uh, applicable to our personal lives? Yeah, I think it's applicable to our personal lives as well, as well as business. And, you know, some of the other things you can use to, to, to attend that or um, achieve that outcome is non-monetary gems. 
So non-monetary gems could be, for example, sweeteners that are valuable to them, but not necessarily to you. So you could surprise the other side with a gift. Uh, people tend to feel responsible to repay an act of kindness. Always remember people um, behave in predictable pattern-filled ways. And by now, you should, at this point, you should at least know more about your counterpart because they've told you about their family's debt. They told you about personal things through the labeling, uh, sorry, through the mirroring and through the silence. So the first half of the negotiation is really mirroring and a lot of silence. Okay. You'll feel a lot of the emotion in the silence. And then you'll kind of apply that in the second half where you're talking about sweeteners, you know, again, the non-monetary gems, um, You'll know what deal might look good to them based on their needs, right? Maybe they don't, maybe they just want their name on a project, right? Like we talked, you know, about the Andrew Carnegie steel, uh, steel negotiation. So sometimes people just want, they don't necessarily want a financial reward. They just want their name to be kept in something, the legacy, the longevity. And you should know that because you've studied your counterpart. So you should be able to be smart enough to offer a creative solution that you both walk out winning by, by the second half, Right. And assuming this is about an hour, so for the first 30 minutes, you're just mirroring, labeling, silence, pausing, okay? And then the second half, you're doing all these things like the yes-nos and um, the deadlines, right? You should find out what their deadline is without revealing yours, okay? You should let them talk first and go first. What do they want, right? And there's other things you can do as well. Um, You can come up with a number, a numbers instead of like 12,000, you know, 11,591 and 18 cents. That sounds more well thought out. So it shows that you put more time and effort into coming up with a solution. And again, giving them a sweetener, people feel uh, have a need to, you know, tend to repay kindness. So there's all these things you can do, right? And if we look at what Jesus did, you know, Jesus was kind of just himself, right? He, he just, he just loved people and people felt the need to gravitate towards him. And he found a solution that did work for everyone. It didn't take away from him, right? Everything that he did uh, while he spoke the truth. So you always want to maintain a sense of the truth. You know, we, we never lie in these negotiations. We're always coming in with the truth. And, you know, the world might do it a different way. I, I know there's a lot of deception and corruption, but in our negotiations, we always tell the truth and we're very transparent. And that's what makes us successful as well. Mm, yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I also am reminded of, of the very fact that, you know, we see that very clearly when we look at the Bible stories that God always rewards honesty and, and, and integrity, you know, and I think that this is also true when it comes to negotiations and just uh, difficult situations in life where we have to deal and deal with certain things and navigate around them. And, uh, and so um, loving people and putting the other per- person first is, I think, a major, major uh takeaway and also kind of uh the the underlying motive for everything else that would follow uh on top of that so um thank you yeah and and i just want to add with one more closing question and i got this from chris voss who was a negotiator for the fbi for hostage takers and he said when you ask this question it'll really change everything and this is usually at the end once they make an unreasonable demand and they say well we want to buy it for six thousand bucks you have to say how am i supposed to do that because then it throws the ball back in their court. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to sell it, for example, for 6,000 bucks? Or if they ask you to do something. So then it gives it back to them and they have to come up with an answer and they won't be able to come up with an answer. So ultimately you'll, you'll get um, what you're asking. Wow. 
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I surely remember these takeaways next time I have to negotiate with someone. Also, next Monday, Jesse Zwicker will be back on the show and we'll talk about full-time evangelism. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, we also listen to your feedback and we have recorded two full episodes on how to reach your customers with the gospel. It's going to be practical, it's powerful, and I can't wait to release that uh, very soon. So stay tuned, subscribe, follow us on social media, and I'll talk to you again next Monday. <laughs>